Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. All right, happy Wednesday, everyone. This is Rob Foster back with episode number 91. So I, I love it. I'm pretty sure everyone remembers those Geico commercials with the camel walking around saying, guess what day it is. And so it's not hump day anymore. So I do it with, with, with my kids now. I walk in the door from the gym and I'm like, what day is it, kids? It's like podcast day. See, so I get all, get all hyped up when it's podcast day. So, and why is that? Because I get to know another person and make a new friend, and we get to share our knowledge and our expertise with all of you. But before we get there, you know I got to pimp the new show. So starting on June 7th, that'll be every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, have a new debate show starting called We Buy to Get Deep with Robert B. Foster. We're going to know that voice crack right there. All right, so we're going to take controversial topics, but we're going to have rational and adult conversations about those topics, right? So the first one is going to be, should critical race theory be taught in elementary schools, all right? So I got five people from all around the world to join me in that conversation, and some people are for it, some people are against it, and we're going to talk about it. So that's it. It's going to be every Monday, and I have guests booked out into October. So we have five guests for every single show. So that's going to be a good one. It's going to be informative. And like I said, it's going to be rational. It's not going to be one of these screen fests where everybody's talking over each other and insulting people's intelligence. Like that's there's other channels for that. So we're going to take these topics and we're going to work towards real solutions because that's how you change the world. Anybody can argue, but the argument has to lead towards a solution. So that's going to be that show, June 7th. And we all know about the grind gear, which ooh, I, do, I do have one. Okay, right here. Shut up and grind we got t-shirts we have everything we have everything just check check it out shut up and grindgear.com we have everything all right so for today we are going to talk about you and your health right so 
we know there's lots of things out there that can teach you about you know boosting your boosting your immune system you know nat natural medicine natural healing but it's i always say don't go by what what you read listen to someone who's who's who actually did it who is doing it and is showing others how to do it and so my guest today is one of those people right so she's gonna drop some knowledge i went through her website she's got a lot of great stuff going on in there so if you're someone that not necessarily is afraid of traditional medicine but you want something more natural something that's that's real and it's not just you know some fad product out there that's you know gonna make somebody a quick buck and then they're, they're gonna vanish and this is the woman that you want to listen to all right so as we spend the next 53 minutes or so we're gonna dive into her backstory and found out and find out how she became mama vega right so who is she she is a mom she's a functional nutritionist she's a chef an author a speaker and CEO of Mama Vega Enterprises, where she helps people boost their immune system and much more. We'll discuss the much more during the show. So she wants you to know that one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it will be someone else's survival guide. Welcome to the show, Charmaine Vega. Hi, how Welcome. are you? I am doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, you know, with with COVID and all, some of us get the shot, some of us don't. So we, we may get into that. We may not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my uh, one of my topics for for the new show too. You know, so because there's two sides to every story. You know? Every story. So, yeah, and, and it's about it's just about understanding the the other side. See what what happens with these shows is. People try so hard to shove their opinion down everyone else's throats rather than sitting back and letting the other person articulate their, their position and just see where they're coming from. Well, I'm sure, you know, you've heard what my mother always says. There's actually three sides to a story, yeah, not that, two. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's your side, my side, and the truth, because there's something in between if you pull from both sides. So yeah. that's that kind is, of what I look at. That is true. Like that's honestly, that's my political stance. It's like you like you kind of got to pay attention to both sides, and then somewhere in the middle there, that's where it all lies. <laughs> so, exactly. Absolutely. All right. So you're out there in California. Yes, good old sunny California. <laughs> nice. What are you southern? I'm actually central. I central, was in, okay. I was in Southern California for over twenty some odd years, like thirty years. Okay. And two years ago, I moved to Central California. Central California is the breadbasket of the nation. So that's where mm. the farmland is. You get most of the nuts around the world and, you know, things of that nature. So it's it's good. It's good living. Yeah, I went to Sacramento in July of 2019 with my son for a track meet, and it was hotter than <laughs> hell. Ay, ay, ay. And it's actually, it's actually Sacramento is cooler than it is where I am. Really? <laughs> no kidding. It was 106 degrees at this boys track meet. Yes, we <laughs> 99 here. Yeah, yeah um, I have a fr friend that's, that's out there and she sent a screenshot of it being 99. And to put it in perspective, three weeks before that track meet, school was actually closed here in Rhode Island because it was 92 degrees. 
Right, they they closed all the schools at night. We're out there 106 degrees in, in, in a track meet for hours. <laughs> I was like, something's wrong here. <laughs> yes, we believe in getting out there. You know, that's that's why you'll see us on the beaches. You know, that's the beauty of being in California. You know, you have the yeah. hot temperature, but if you want cool, all you have to do is maybe an hour away, you can go up into the mountains because they have the mountains, the elevation, waterfalls. You know, you have it all. Yeah. So. It's We're good here. All right. So let's get to know to know you better. So give me your uh, your quick summary of who is Charmaine. Um, I was thinking about that, you know, because people want to always ask that question and you, you usually get the standard answer. Yeah, um, I probably want to say Charmaine Vega is a sponge. OK. And the reason I say that is because sponges take in information. They also give out information. So for me, I'm a sponge, but I'm a sponge where that's who I am as a mother, as a daughter, as a, you know, as a grandmother, as a teacher, as a speaker, because in order for me to be good at each one of those things, I have to constantly be taking in the information and observing each one of those situations because they're not all the same. What I'm going to say to one person, I'm not going to say to another. So I have to take in that information, absorb it and then give out the other end what I think that person is going to be able to absorb themselves. So I would say that that's probably who I am. And, you know, um, and, you know, that's a nicer way of saying chameleon. (laughs) 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 Being able to do that and having a special education background, you know, I tell people that what I do is I get you to change your behavior and make you think it was your idea. I love it. (laughs) I love that. So one thing you mentioned about, you know, like the way you take in information, someone else may take it in differently. Yes. And 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 I feel like when you're trying to to educate people, that's huge. That 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 that's huge because like I'll take myself as an example. I've I'm a very positive person. I'm a very confident person, and sometimes I have trouble identifying with people who aren't <laughs> you know because things for me it's like oh that's the task all right let's get it you know but the other people they may, may need more information like they may may need more planning and and so it's like if i find when i when i'm interacting with those people i, I have to i have to step back and be like all right how can i say this in a way that's not overwhelming for them you know so do you find in your in your time as a as a teacher did you find that difficult because like a lot of a lot of school curriculum they teach people at one at one level um yes um i found it difficult not for me but i found it difficult when i'm dealing with teachers who are regular educators like i said i was a special education teacher so as a special education teacher and i did kindergarten all the way through college. You know, I've taught it though. So that's also how they're going to absorb it. You know, what are they going to do? You learn how to do those things. So for me, I understand what you're saying because I had to learn how to navigate the regular education system to get them to understand when they say, well, I can't, you know, teach the whole classroom. Well, let me show you how to break it into and create different little groups the type of groups you need to create so that now everybody in the group is learning. You may have someone who's the leader, someone who's the follower, but everybody is being brought along and no one is feeling as though they're let down. Many 
teachers want to teach, like you said, everybody at the same level, but they don't all learn the same way. Um, you can't just stand and talk to someone just like what you do. You have a podcast, you have the visual, you have the auditory, you have all these other things going on. You have the laughter. All this is what the engagement is about when you have a teacher and you're just standing up there and that's all you're doing is just talking, but you're not drawing pictures. You're not making analogies. You're not giving mm -hmm. examples. Um, an example I'll give you is I had one of my students. She was a, um, a she raced horses, you know, she was okay. in high school and she would ride horses and she would do that, but she couldn't do math. You know, she had a hard time understanding how do I do the math and I don't get it. So because I'm unconventional in my way of presenting mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. I took her to um, the track and taught her off track betting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> learned math. <laughs> That's great. So you take them where they are and what's in their environment, because that was what one of my master's degrees was on, is um, if you want someone to learn something, you have to take their interest and you teach based on their interest. So if you have a child and he's interested in cars, you you know, you get a, a manual and it doesn't matter to some, ex to some extent what level that manual is written at because they try to say, oh, only sixth grade level or fifth grade. I didn't go according to what's the grade level. I went according to what is their interest because if they're interested enough in it, they're gonna force themselves to be able to learn it. Even if they start just looking at the pictures and then you know they make an analogy, oh, I can see where that is in a real car. I can yeah. see where this is. It's the application of real life situations based on what they're interested in. And if you combine those two things together, in nine months, you get them to, to increase their knowledge a year and a half. Mm. So that's the difference that that actually makes. And so the problem with our educational system is they don't want to do it, you know, where they're interested in. They give them the standard word problems. Give them a word problem that's based on what they're interested in. You know, they'll figure it out. It's <laughs> yeah. true. So true. Yeah. Like, you know, my kids are into into video games and like they're constantly talking about video games and video games. And so we'll, we'll be like out, out at the basketball court or something. I'm like trying to trying to teach them to play to play defense. And, it, and it's like, you know, it's just like in this game where you have to do X, Y, Z. It's the same thing here, <laughs> you know, so because it's like they always have the video games on the brain. So, exactly. you know, yeah. So I put it to them in the way that they they get it like, oh, OK. Yeah. So I, I agree with that 100 yes. percent. That's right. It's 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 their own knowledge of what they have. And it's transference is what it is. You're transferring the knowledge that they have and what they're already doing to a new situation. And yes. that's really what it is. And that's what's lost. A lot of that is lost in the educational system where they're not allowing that transference to take place. And I was big on that. My, 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 my students in high school, when they went to college, they used some of their high school papers that I made them write mm -hmm. um, in their first year of college. And what's interesting is all these students had writing problems. That was their disability. Their disability okay. was in writing. And I made them have to redo a paper three, four or five times before I would give them a grade. And the reason I did it is because I said I gave you specific instructions. And if you don't follow those instructions to the T, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm not going to waste my time and read hieroglyphics. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So they That's learned. Great. They learned.
<laughs> All right. So you wear a lot of hats now. So when when you were when you were younger, what was your your big childhood dream? My childhood dream, um, I was going to be a pediatrician. I was going to be a doctor. Okay. And I did go to college, and I did start out to be a doctor. I went to Boston University, and for the first three years, I was a pre med major. So okay. that's what I started out doing. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as my dream was, but before then, um, I was always. Um, cooking in the kitchen, doing something along those lines. My mother was, uh, she was a hematologist at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in, in New York. And uh, so she would call me on the phone and say, this is what I want you to make for dinner. So I would do that started at about a, the age of 11. Nice. She would call me and, you know, I did have a mom and dad in the home, but they both worked. Yeah. And so she would call me, tell me what she wanted me to make. So that could have been pepper steak and rice. It could have been bula base. It could have been any number of gourmet things because that was her taste. My dad was, you know, meat and potatoes, steak, fish mm -hmm. on Friday, you know, go to the fish market, heads off and split. For those who don't know what that <laughs> means, that means that you go to the fresh fish market, yeah. you tell them to cut the head off, split it and remove the guts and give you the fish. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, so I had to do all those things. So those are things that I learned. I did not know at the time that those things would come back later. Um, and truth be told, I have told it on one other one other segment that every year, <clears throat> excuse me, every year, I also um, went to visit my grandparents in North Carolina and my grandfather had a farm. So I learned how to pick cotton and string tobacco and put it up in the smokehouse and scale the rafters and all that. And some of my friends say, oh, you, Miss Fufu, you used to do that. <laughs> I was like, yes, I did. You know, I had to. That was what we all the grandkids had to pitch in and do. So that was my job in the summertime. You know, I was the one who came from New York. Everybody else was in the <laughs> South, but I was the one from New York and I had to pitch in with everybody else. I wasn't treated any differently <laughs> from that standpoint. <laughs> See, it's 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 amazing what, what you just said because it's one one of my my central themes. And when I'm coaching coaching people the, the same thing, how you were saying doing that cooking you know, somehow it resurfaced again later on down the line. And so when I'm help, helping people, what, whether it's create a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever it is, I always say what you want to do, it's already there. It's already in your subconscious mind because at some point in your childhood or in your teen years or, exactly. or whatever, you thought of something that you suppressed it, <laughs> you know, and then as, as I go talking through and getting them, you know, getting them to tell me more and more of their story. We always uncover their true passion. It's 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 right there. So, so you did three years of pre med. What mm -hmm. what made you shift directions? <laughs> Marriage. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, my uh, former husband. He's deceased now. He's he's oh. uh, he passed. He 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 wanted to be a doctor, um, and he was at Tufts University, Harvard. And um, then we ended up moving, we, we got married and ended up moving to the Midwest. I moved to mm -hmm. Iowa and um, where he received his PhD. But then we also went to Minnesota where he wanted to go on to the Mayo Clinic, which he did okay. um, and become, you know, a doctor, you know, a he became a forensic psychiatrist and forensic because he also had a law degree as well. So you, you can wow. see we, we were, we were one of those that, you know, our expectations of our parents was very high and what we had to do was there. Yeah. Um, so what I did is I switched 
into special education because there were a number of things in special education that was very similar to the pre-med information that I had. Um, and, and so therefore I was able to merge those two things together because now I have a whole full understanding of the brain, the physiology, what's really going on with the child, why they may be behaving. And I also did um, you know, several classes and all of that within special education in psychology. So I had to learn a lot of other things, you know, which required me to do like a, an extra six months because I transferred schools um, you know, in doing that. But that's where it all began. So, but that's a, only a part of it, as you would you would expect. Because when I went to Minnesota and he was in medical school. I was the only wife who worked. All the other wives stayed at home. Okay. So what I did to fit in is I started a gourmet club with food. I love it. <laughs> so like you just said, as you lean back on something that you know, remember as a child, I was taught how to do all these gourmet dishes from my mom who, and I didn't use a cookbook. It was a matter of, she would call me, tell me what to do, how much to do, what it's supposed to taste like. So all those things I did because it, it, and it was natural to me. It was natural of how I knew how to do these things. You just never know why you have these innate abilities, but that was an innate ability that I had. It was a gift. I always tell people it was a God's gift. You know, I just have that ability to do that, you know, and I didn't know it, nor did I know full circle that I would become that chef and I would become those things. But all of those experiences is what made me who I am today, which is why I'm still that sponge that I talked about. So I was a sponge back then and absorbing all of that. And still I'm that sponge today. But that was how I got to that, um, that point. And then I decided that I liked both the cooking, um, never thought I would make it as a career. Um, I just did it as a form of um, giving to people. I like giving food, giving things, making it. Um, that's my relaxation. My re I get very frustrated when I can't do it. You know, it's like, yeah. that's my relaxed time. You know, it's like, okay, let me see what I can create. Can I cook that leaf over there? Let me look at that. <laughs> you know, I even have an app on my phone. It says, picture this. And I can snap a picture of a plant and it'll tell me what it is and what fruit it does. And, you know, I just recently learned oh, that wow. some of the palm trees have a little fruit that's on it and you can eat it. So mm. I like that. So those are things that, you know, I do is I, um, I'm, so I'm constantly learning, you know, is, is what I'm doing. Yeah. And it, it's amazing how many businesses actually start out like that. Cause I was an athlete my entire life and I coached a little bit post, post high school. You know, I tried the whole college thing, you know, went three, three times and dropped out all three just because like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm more of a hands-on learner. So I got, I went and I, and I educated myself through masterminds and workshops and, you know, I traveled the country going, going to different, different seminars and stuff. So, you know, I got my, my marketing and branding and business knowledge that way. But anyway, um, I was managing restaurants for 20 years. So that's what, where I learned the rest of the, the, the business acumen and the, the accounting and hiring and fire and all that stuff. So so when I started the gym, that was more so just to break up the suck of the day, you know, because like I'm a, I'm a dad now and, 
you know, I'm, I'm getting frustrated because I'm missing things with the kids because I have to work or it's my day off and I get called to go back in because as a manager, you can't say no, <laughs> you know, and having to change vacations. And so I just needed an outlet. And so I turned my garage in, into a gym and just started getting like free free stuff off of Craigslist or, you know, yard sales, moving sales and just just started finding equipment and end up out, outfitting my, my garage. And I was like, you know what? For giggles, let me see if I can train a couple people. Just have some fun with it. And next thing you know, I got 40 plus people training out of my garage. And then the city zoning comes and knocks on my door. <laughs> so, you know, but like it was just it was just supposed to be to be for fun. It was just supposed to be a hobby. And yep. it, it blossomed. But but because people always think that this was always my end goal, but it's not. I, always right. wanted, wanted to be a speaker that's what it is like i always wanted to be a speaker i've had visions of being like les brown in a big stadium with tens of thousands of people and i was well on my way till covid hit <laughs> <laughs> i was well 2020 was supposed to be the breakout year <laughs> and then covid said settle down start your podcast and start there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, that's great. It's funny how life puts those twists in. And, and it's funny when you say you did things to be with your kids. That was a part of also why I pivoted, not only yes. because of my my husband, who was at the time, but also because I felt like if he was a doctor and I was a doctor, what's going to happen to the kids? Mm. So I was like, you know, and that was fourth. We, you know, I wasn't pregnant or anything at the time. I'm just looking ahead and saying, if this is to be, yeah. then where where are they going to fall? So that's when I did that and, you know, drove a little school bus for them. Even though I was a teacher, I taught at every single school that my children attended. Oh, nice. All the way through high school. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love that. Yeah. I was just saying at the gym earlier that I kind of, I kind of like them being home with the distance learning. It's like they're, they're older now, now too. So it's not like they're four and five, you know, so I have two, two adults and then three, well, a teenager and then two, two 12 year olds. You know, so it's like, but just having them here, I, I just like it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like I know it in September, they're going to end up going back to, back to in-person school, but, you know, I like it. <laughs> and, then, and then you're going to go through withdrawal, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Cause I do alone well. <laughs> it's like I do a lot of, lot of solo, solo getaways. Cause like, right. I, I love to hike and I'm very competitive. So like I do go with my clients and stuff, but, but when I go with them, I'm in coach mode. When I go by myself, I'm in seek and destroy mode. <laughs> you know, like, like how fast can I get up and down that mountain? You know? Right. And so I just put my headphones on and I just go. So I, I actually do solo pretty well. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to you. All right. Okay. So, so you're making, you're making your, your, your homemade goods and then just, just take, take me through how it started to blossom. Um, that came from teaching. Okay. <laughs> so each, each thing in my life came from something else unexpected. Um, I was teaching in La Cunada, you know, California, for those who don't know, that's a community that's very similar to Beverly Hills, you know, and I lived around that area. I lived in Pasadena, Altadena. Okay. And um, it's an open campus. So it's full of boys. And ironically, many of them are friends with me on Facebook now, you know, and this <laughs> years ago there with their families and their little kids. It makes me yeah. look old, you know, <laughs> um, but um, they were always creating havoc in the community. And when you are a special ed teacher, you have 
certain kids who were assigned to you, although they had regular classrooms and everything, they came to me as the resource teacher. Okay. Um, and so I got tired of giving up my lunchtime, you know, quite frankly, running around the neighborhood looking for them. Where are they? Where, where did they go? So um, I ended up starting to make salsa and I would have salsa chips and a movie in my classroom at lunchtime. Okay. I then knew where they were. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I could get I could get my work done. So that was how it all started. It started with salsa. Yeah. One of um and one of the things I did is I, I I told you I like to teach children analogies and because many of them have ADD, one of the things I did is I at the beginning of the year I gave them an assignment. I said your regular classroom teachers what I want you to do is focus on what not just what they're saying about the classroom, but I want you to focus on who are they as a person. And when they say certain things, I want you to make a note of it. And then in my classroom, I had a picture that hung on the wall and behind there was the names of all the teachers in the building. And when my students would come in, they would write little notes about whatever they found out about that teacher. Oh, this one likes coffee. This one likes to go fishing. This one likes this. And then they would put all of that together so we could create a matrix about each teacher, their personal thing. I had a hidden closet in my classroom and I had baskets in the closet. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a card on each one. And every time a student would just, they could decide who they wanted to give a gift to. And they would look at the chart and then they would figure out what they wanted to do. So when they would go out like a scavenger hunt, they're just with their parents or whatever, they would buy something and then they would put it in a basket and they would sign the card yeah. and they would just drop it in. Christmas time comes, each teacher is going to get that basket. So it's a personalized basket, but no student had to feel like they had to give to somebody and no student had to feel like they didn't give enough because okay. they didn't, you know, it wasn't like, well, I could only give a pencil or I could only get this, or I could only get that. So no one felt like in, you know, inferior, nobody felt like they were better than anybody else. They gave whatever they could because the whole point was it is better to give than to receive. So that was my message for the Christmas yes. season. And then the last thing that was put in there was a 16 ounce jar of my salsa. And then each student would go around and give it to all the teachers. So it was the teachers, the secretary, the custodians, everybody in the building, whoever was there, they all got a gift basket. And that was my thing of teaching them how to pay attention to what somebody is saying, how to observe when, you know, the inflections and the intonations. And that was my way of getting them to focus on their lesson by doing that, because otherwise ADD kicks in and they don't. And then one of my students' father was an insurance broker and said, if you should ever decide that you want to go in business, look me up. Until this day, he is my actual insurance agent. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's amazing. All right. So what, what was the next steps from, from there? So you pass out the baskets. I'm assuming you got some type of buzz. And then, mm -hmm. then what happened from there? Um sent my, stu my, my students out and my daughters and everybody out actually selling it, that kind of thing, it caught on. And I just decided one day I was going to take some and um, there's another story behind it, but the bottom line is the short end of the story is I ended up getting Costco. Okay. So I ended up getting my salsa in Costco. And hold then on, hold on, I want the long story. 
<laughs> I'm just glossing over that. <laughs> All right, take, take me through that. Okay. How I got into Costco was I just decided one day, you know, I had already done my labels. I did all my research on what it takes to, to do a, get a project in, product into a store, which is a whole, that's a whole nother segment that people yeah. are asking me to start teaching them how to do because you in the restaurant business and, and knowing that, you know, it's not what people think. I have this recipe and I just do it and then I can put it in a jar and then I can go do that. It's not that. It's yeah. a lot of stuff and a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going to them and I told them I have this product and I would like to put it in your store. And I had already started manufacturing it myself. I was renting out a place. I was making it. I had my labels. I had done all my, my homework and everything. And I was delivering it to different places. Yeah. And um, they said, well, you know, we don't you know, know about this. And I happened to look on the board and saw that they were having an event that was coming up. And so I proposed to them as I said, well, how about if I cater the event free of charge? Yeah. <laughs> that That's going all in. I love it. <laughs> and that's how I did it. And they loved and they loved it. And they were able to do that. And I had also um, prior even to that, I was able to have some people to taste my salsa, liked it and presented it to um to the Food Network. So I was able to get exposure on the Food Network at the same time, so almost simultaneously around the same time. And so I had created a buzz of another thing. So that, as you know, that there's that strategy, you have to figure out how do I create the buzz and give credibility when I go and approach somebody with something. So I created the credibility ahead of time. Yeah. And then I went to them and said, this is what I want to do. So pretty much I walked in because they said, do you have an appointment? I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Kicking the door. <laughs> but, but, I, but I know who the buyer is and I want to talk to the buyer. Is, is he available? And if he's not, I'll sit here and wait and see if he has an opening in his schedule. You know, and I did. And that was about two hour drive for me to get there. But I was like bound and determined. This is what I was going to do. And I gave it to them, said, here's here it is. Here's. My accolades, um, you know, I had actually presented it to also the Food for Better Health Foundation and was able to get certified my salsa as a pre-cut, pre-seasoned product, um, which is equivalent to you just eating regular vegetables. And that was over 20 years ago that I was able to do that kind of thing. Wow. So that's why I said certain things that I did. It was a gift. I didn't know. And I had no knowledge of business. I was just you know, like you said, I'm asking people doing this and a lot of people don't want to give you those secrets. So I had to really do the research, um, you know, for it. And I had one president of one company and, and he's now sold his company to Pepsi, but um, it was California Creative Foods. And his. I will give him a plug because he was that awesome. His name was Doug Pearson, who was the president of that company. And he said, if you do this, 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 and this, I will indeed, you know, um, take you on and I will be your manufacturer for your product if you do these things. I went back to him a week later, one week, yeah. and I had it all done. He said, I've never seen anybody do this. And he nice. said, I'll take you on. And um, my disclaimer was I had to sign a document saying that if any bloating or any um, thing happened to the product itself, I would assume full responsibility. And I said, fine, because my thing was, is I wanted no preservatives in it. So that's the other mm. thing I have. The, my salsa has the longest shelf life of any salsa on the market. Wow. 
with no preservatives. That's and, amazing. Yeah. So those those are some of the things about what I did and how I did it. Um, and I can't take full credit myself only because it's a gift. You know, I can't say, you know, that this is stuff I knew, but it's that taking in information, looking at it, connecting the dots and saying, well, this can't make sense because of this. I see this happening over here. And part of what I did to figure out what it was is I went back to my understanding as a child with what my grandfather taught me about produce on a farm. <laughs> so, so I pulled back, you know, knowledge that I had and I said, mm, what they're telling me is not making sense because I've already experienced this. And I know if I do this, this is what's going to happen. And I know how to do this naturally without these things taking place. And I did call one of the scientists at the federal level and said, if I do these things, will this happen? And they said, how did you figure this out? And I said, that's not my question. My question is, am I right? <laughs> that's right. Just answer me. And I you said, can... I'm not going to tell you how I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> and you can totally take full, full credit because you brought it to life. <laughs> you know, that, that was your vision. You it said... was my vision, but I'm still the conduit. You know, I still yeah. look at it as I'm the conduit. It's information that's coming down. I'm mm -hmm. like receiving it. You know, I'm receiving yeah. this information. I'm absor absorbing it. And it's a matter of me giving it out, you know, um, yeah. and that's how I look at it. So, yes, I'm taking credit as being the conduit and giving the information. Yeah. But it, it, it's, you know, and being able to um, have the wherewithal. Um, and again, it's my science background. It's all of these other experiences that I had that I was able to draw from each one of these. It's kind of opening up all these little drawers that you have in your brain and it's like okay no not that one let me close that one it's let me open this one oh, nah. it's only this piece of paper over here so let me take that you know so you, it, it's and that was like two years me working sometime until two three o'clock in the morning getting a couple hours of sleep and then saying you know oh no this is not it you know and 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 just taking a chance on myself that was it and believing in me and i did have you know several naysayers and saying well, there's so many people who have salsa. What makes you think, you know, my, not my ex-husband, but my ex who ended up, which is the next half of the story, stealing my money from my company. Uh -huh. um, yes, stole the money from my company. And that was what I wrote the book about where it's, the book that I wrote, it's called Overcomer. Uh, Overcome, yeah. Yes. And that's the chapter that's in the book where it's, where I talk about the abuse and it wasn't physical abuse, but it was the psychological, the emotional, the financial, and that's actually worse than the actual physical abuse. Anybody who's knows the whole thing about abuse and that type of thing. And when you, you know, control a person with, you know, the narcissistic tendencies, all those kind of things. And, you know, those of us who don't grow up with that kind of thing, you don't readily recognize it until it's, too, you're too far in and a person knows how to manipulate those things. So that became the next part of this. I did all of that, had over a hundred stores. I had Whole Foods, Gelson's, Wild Oats, you name it, I had it, school districts. Um, and the money was coming in and you know, it was like, no, you just focus on what you're doing there. That's great, great, great. He was handling you know, all the money and because he dealt with uh, one of the institutions, financial institutions in the media, okay. um, which I don't like to give credit to, um, to him or mention his name. 
because I believe that when you mention a criminal's name, you give them a platform. Yeah. So I refused to do that. And during that time, you know, people were asking me to take my website down and I refused. Um, they asked me to, you know, not do social media. I refused. And the reason being is I said, I've built my company. This is my company. This is my name. This is who I am. And for me to take that down, I am then relinquishing my power to someone else. Exactly. I said, and I refuse to relinquish my power. They had power over me then, which is why the title of the chapter that I wrote in the book is I don't want the neighbors to know. And then the subtitle is, but what did he do to you? And then I cross out the two and I say four, because what he did for me was give me that platform to look at where was that defining moment. And the defining moment was when he said to my girlfriend who was standing there with me, I don't want the neighbors to know. Cause I had him locked out of the house. I had the gates closed and everything. And mm. he went and got the police. Didn't know I already had an attorney and, you know, a little tidbit here from a legal standpoint is that if you have a civil case, the police officers are not really allowed to come in if once you have a civil case. Yeah. But if it was a domestic case, then they could. And he didn't realize that. So I had, you know, I said, I, you know, and what I said, one of the things in the book is I said, he used to always call me naive, but he didn't realize what a Ivy League education will do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid quote. <laughs> wow. So I, so I was like, you know, you can play that game, but now it's uh, that's where it is, and that's why. Then when I came out with the cookbook, the title of the cookbook is uh, "Now Chew on This." <laughs> I was going to ask you about that title. <laughs> I saw that when I was going through through your website. I was like, hmm. I was like, that's an interesting that title. title. <laughs> why did you get that title? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so yeah. So and that's what and that's what I told. That's what I tell you know women. Now I work with women and a few men I've worked with who've been in abusive situations, and I deal with how you deal with it. And for me, that's where the nutrition came in, yeah. because I then focused on my nutrition. I then focused on my health, you know, I gained weight, you know, my losing my hair went through the whole thing. I was like, er, stop. <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, uh. What he took was money. I'm the one who built the company. Now let me just figure out what is it that I need to do and how do I need to do it? And I always have believed in being of service to others and helping others. And I know that when you help somebody else, you help yourself. So it's kind of like a selfish type thing. I knew I could heal myself by helping someone else. Yeah. So the knowledge that I gained in going through the court, cause I was in the court system for over two years. I'm trying to figure it out. I ended up losing my house and I changed in the book. And I said, I didn't lose my house. I made a decision to let it go because those are two different psychological things that you're dealing with. If I look at it as I lost something, I'm constantly feeling like I have to gain it back. Yeah, And when I just let it go, it's like, I'm done with it. I'm done with you, done with everything, you know? And so that's how I was able to handle it. And then knowing what foods I needed to do to balance my hormones, to, you know, make my hair, you know, stop falling out, you know, all of the things I needed to do, keep my complexion, um, just the different things. I said, you know what, fall back on what you know, you know, fall back on what you know. And a lot of stuff when I was going through it, 
Um, I did not go to family members. And the reason I didn't is because they're always going to have an opinion and they're always going to want to try to protect me. So I didn't want to do that, but I did have a friend um, and she has a foundation. It's called the Love Is Foundation. And when I called her, she started crying because she was abused and that's why she started the foundation. And you'll, you'll, you'll see, I've done th different things with, with her. She's a singer and stuff like that. And her husband and I catered their, their wedding, actually, I catered oh, nice. their wedding and, um, and things of that nature. And um, she was the, they were the ones who pointed out to me that I was in an abusive situation because I remember I'm that naive person. So mm -hmm. I'm looking at, Oh, that's just the way he is, whatever he's doing this, that no, you know? Um, and then when I, they got me and I have another friend where she was able to tell me, Charmaine, just cut off the money. Just don't let the money go into the account. And I was like, he's going to blow a gasket if I do that, you know, because mm -hmm. it was, it was, so it was all, you know, the ones who I did go to, they were the ones who had actually, those are friends of mine who had actually gone through abusive situations. So they knew what would happen and what could possibly happen if I pulled that trigger. Yeah. But I had the support system that was there. And I have another friend who was in La Cunada where her husband was a professional wrestler. So she had gone through it. So the ones who I went through were women who I knew personally who had gone through that whole thing, who became my support system and said, this is what you do. And this is how he's going to react when you do this. So they were able to keep me actually five steps ahead of what was going to happen. Wow. So that was my system. So my system was, and I knew when I did this, I know what you're going to do. So I'm the one who now is in control and I'm pushing your buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Boomerang. <laughs> Boomerang the tail. Oh my God. So how, how long did that whole thing drag out before you were able to get back to some type of normalcy? Um, pretty much five years. Oh, you wow. know, yeah. So it's because it was it started in 2013. Um, then it went. Then I finally got into court and it was settled 2015, 2017. He ended up filing. Um, it might have even been longer than that. 2017. He filed against the California Bar Association against my attorney wow. and um, said that my attorney and I conspired against him. And the short story of that is my attorney then had to prove that he didn't. I had to submit documents. This all happened Mother's Day weekend. Uh -huh. My attorney told me what was going on and he needed copies of the documents because my case was closed. So my attorney had turned everything over to me. So yeah. I spent the entire weekend actually scanning thousands of pages of documents to get to my attorney so that he could show what we did um, because my ex was trying to say that we conspired. He was representing himself, which he didn't. He actually had an attorney. He had gotten somebody to remove that document from the court file um, in the courthouse yeah. um, before they started scanning stuff. And so that created another whole thing. But what he didn't count on was the court recorder who, re who had the transcripts, which we were, my attorney was able to get because my attorney is as good as he is, he was able to win, got everything dismissed. But had he lost, both my attorney and I would have gone to jail for seven years for conspiracy. Oh, my God. So it was it was and I didn't know that until it was all over, because my attorney said, I didn't want you to know any of this stuff, you know, of the the 
the the bigger picture, as he calls it, the bigger picture of what potentially could have happened. He he subsequently is now not um, practicing law on a larger scale because he had a heart attack behind it. Mm. Um, because that was his that was his whole thing. He was not only um, an attorney, but he was also a judge. So he was removed from the the the, the court until everything was resolved, you know, so it was, it was his livelihood. It was everything that my ex was going after all under a lie. Wow. Um, yeah. So he very vindictive, very, um, you know, uh, nasty. I mean, that's the only thing I could say. So that went on. And then once that was solved, the courts had given me my house. I thought everything was clear. Then I find out that he had taken out a lien against my house. And so therefore I couldn't, refinance it. I couldn't do anything because now this lien, he didn't pay. And if you know the whole financial thing about that. So I was yeah. busy trying to deal with all of that, backtracked it, was able to show we did notify all the lenders and stuff, but now it's an investor who has it. That investor wants it. He doesn't want to negotiate. He doesn't want to give it to me. They want it because now that's a prime piece. It was on an acre and a quarter. And now that's where the, the rails are getting ready to go through the city. And it's a whole bunch of things. It's right near the Angeles Forest. Mm. Um, so I said, you know what? My time is up. I'm done. I said, uncle, yeah. I said, you guys can have it. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. So I ended up packing up and I moved to central California where I'm a mile and a half away from my daughter. And mm -hmm. the moral of the story is I live on Cinderella Avenue, which is the true <laughs> name of my street. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's like some sometimes you know letting letting go is the right answer. Yes, it really is like some some people are like no, I'll fight till the death, and it, it's like yeah, but you know at the end of the day, is is, is it serving you? Is is it that big of a deal? Is it yeah. some, something that you know you can move on? You can get a, another house. You can make more money. You know, so like grand grand scheme of things. You know, so I'm glad everything worked out for you. And you're living on Cinderella Avenue. Like, you could even <laughs> ask for a better, <laughs> a better name for your street. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. All right, so we got about, uh, we got about what, about 11 minutes to go. So let's yes. talk, talk about your products. How did you come up with these? Um, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Okay, show's over. <laughs> um. It's kind of like I was always just cooking for everybody and I would just be putting stuff together. Um, again, going back to bringing you into this, you run a restaurant, so you know if you want something to be consistent, you have to know the measurements and be able to do that. So that was one of the things I did is I then said, okay, you know, let me do this. And people go, oh my gosh, this tastes really good. What did you do? How did you do this? So I just started saying, okay, let me just figure this out. So I put a, a dry erase board in my kitchen because I'm like, when I'm doing it, I'm not going to be paying attention. And I just started writing down what I was doing. And then I got a composition book and then I would just take it from there, write it down in the composition book and then create it and say whether somebody liked it or how they did or whatever. And I discovered even more so that I had a natural knack for doing it. But if I go and get a recipe and I convert the recipe that somebody else had, it just didn't match for me. Mm. So I ended up having to do my own thing. And um, that was what I did. And I and the combinations that I use for the different ones go back to herbal medicine, although I don't prescribe it as herbal medicine. Um, I go back to my grandmother, my grandfather, my mother, what they taught me, you know, these particular 
herbs and spices when you add it to meat. This is what it will do to the meat. This is how it will help it to break down. This is what it will help in your gut. So all of those things. And then I started learning more in functional, specifically functional nutrition. That's what, you know, I getting cert, got certified in. And because of my um, background in science and medicine and all that, I was able to get approved as a registered dietitian with Medicare. Okay. Because I had the science and all the stuff I was able to show them, you know, the differences that I did and all the science that I did was equivalent to everything as if I had gone to, you know, be, you know, do go through the regular school that somebody you would have them to do. Now I did all of this stuff back then in science and biology and all these things. I had gone way beyond that. And I had already studied and I ran a restaurant in a, in, in Kaiser you know, Kaiser Permanente, I ran a restaurant inside of there. I created my own restaurant inside the hospital Wow! and, and <laughs> ran it. And therefore I worked under registered dietitians, doctors, all those kind of things. And because I did that and worked under them, I had the experience that they would be asking me for as a registered dietitian. So I had already done all that. And I did that for over seven years. So the, the things that they were now asking me for, kind of like what you said, some of it is not where you're going to school, but what experiences did you already have? And can you prove those experiences? And I did that through tests and through everything else and showing I already have the information. I have the knowledge. I've done all of these things already. And the, the late, last thing I was doing now was, you know, last year I got my um, certification for uh, functional nutrition. Awesome. All right. Talk to me about hillbilly sauce. <laughs> Hillbilly sauce does not fall <laughs> under the category of being healthy. <laughs> it it does have dark brown sugar, and I get get the sugar as dark as I can because that means it has more molasses in it. So it yep. is more molasses. But I do add, you know, chunky onion and chunky garlic to it, so I can help your body to break it down. <laughs> So I do add a nutritional component to it to try to help you out. Um, I had done that with um, another person who called himself a hillbilly. Um, he too tried to swindle. Um, and I ended up being able to show that I own the product pretty much. That's, that's the short end of that. Um, and changed the whole formulation and everything from what the original one was made it my own and did all the trademarking and everything so that it was a clear deal, clear cut. But I kept it as that. Some people have tried to get me to change it. Um, you know, It's got a catchy name. It was the first one I asked you about. Exactly. <laughs> and it's funny because my daughter is a therapist and she loves to be politically correct mm. all the time. <laughs> and she said, Mom, I just don't know. She says, you know, you may need to change that because of the way things are these days and everybody wants everything politically correct. And I said, I get it. I said, I'm not doing anything to be offensive. The person who I originally did it with, he really was a hillbilly. Yeah. Um, and that was why I called it that. And if you look at the little blurb that comes out of his mouth, it says that ain't right. The reason that's <laughs> on there is because when I created the whole formulation, he didn't realize what I was doing because I created the formula and um, of how that would taste. And when he tasted it, that was the first thing he said. 
he said, that ain't right. You know, <laughs> so that was how it got on the label. You know, I said, that's that's cute. I said, you know, because he couldn't believe that I could do it, considering I'm coming from, you know, black Hispanic background. And he's trying to tell me what he wanted over here and I'm creating it. And so he was like, that ain't right. You shouldn't be able to do that thing. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's marketing genius. Yeah. So I decided to do that. And I had a friend who. Um, is in Canada. He created the hillbilly for me, but he created it looking like a real hillbilly. I have a graphic designer here. She said, Charmaine, I got to clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So that was how that came to be. But all of my products that I do, the seasonings for the fish, for the this, for the, you know, each, each one of them, I create it where it has um, a meaning behind it, where it serves a purpose for that particular product. Okay. Love it. All right, so let's spend let's spend the last five minutes talking about boosting the immune system. What are some some of your best tips? My best tips number one is going to be water. Yes, that's going to be the first thing. Yeah, first you... thing. Well, you see, I have mine right here too. I have <laughs> but I've got mine right here. Um, yep. Water. That's the first thing. Um, and the reason for that is because you're a sponge. It's going to help flush out all the bacteria and whatever you have in your system. Um, the other thing is going to be vitamin C. Um, you'll, you know, for those for those on here who watch you and may watch Shay, you'll hear him talk about Kamu Kamu because I've got him onto that, yeah. and that has the highest percentage of vitamin C known to man at this time. And you can either take it as a powder or you can take it as a pill. Um, I have the powder; he takes the pill. Um, <laughs> the other thing would be is making sure that your gut flora is good. So you need things that would be building up your prebiotics, which you don't hear very much of. You hear a lot about probiotics, yeah, yeah. but your prebiotics you need in your stomach because that's the fertilizer. That's the fertilizer for the probiotics to grow. So that would be something like garlic, onions, asparagus, um, you know, artichoke, Jerusalem artichoke, those kind of things mm. give your bacteria in your stomach the, you know, I call them little Pac-Men, you know, they can go down in there and they can eat the stuff and, you know, they're going around and doing it. And that's what gives you your immunity in your system. Um, so between the water, a good biome, as we would call it in your, in your gut and your small intestine is where the majority of your immune system lies. So you want to make sure you have enough fiber that's making your food go through your system. And I do, have systems that I, you know, teach people about doing that. And I do more of whether you are carnivore or herbivore or you're plant-based or you eat meat. I work with people on all spectrums, but the biggest thing is, is I teach also eating in tandem. And the reason I do it is so that you can try to create a pathway for the food to go through by having more of the water um, fruits and the vegetables and eating more of that. So even if you're eating the meats, eat more of the vegetables so that it will help the meats to break down. And I'm a big proponent of making sure you're chewing. Um, you know, you're chewing your food, not just swallowing it because digestion starts in the mouth. And if you, which is why people will choke because they try to swallow too fast. So um, there are certain little things like that that I will teach people um, what they need to do. Okay. What what other services do you offer? Um, the services that I offer is basically trying to keep people on track with their food and nutrition and whatever. So the biggest thing 
is um, is doing some some of them will be one on one. I'm working on now trying to do more of a group. Um, that's what I'm putting together as another whole platform yeah. um, because you know, trying to do the one-on-ones, you can kind of get burnt out. But if I can do a group, because a lot of times in a group, people are asking questions that answers the other person's question anyway. Yeah. Um, and so that helps a group situation will help someone else. And it doesn't put as much burden on me. I do have a few clients that I deal with um, on a one-on-one, um, but I've known them for years. And so I've just kept them on as one-on-one clients, but I'm, I'm building it now out to do that and trying to do more speaking. I am looking at writing another cookbook. Now chew on this too, as T O O. I love it. Um, and that's going to be dealing with what foods and fruits are available each month. That's specific for the national month of for if it's national month of glaucoma what fruits are in season that month that can help with glaucoma and then giving recipes for that. So that takes a lot of work to do that, but I'm about, yeah. I want to say about 90% finished with that. Awesome. So I'm, great. yeah, I'm working on that because that's, that seems I've, I've had to keep changing what the book is going to be about because people keep changing. You know, if you don't get it out right away, then people change what their main interest is. And it seems like people now are more into you know, the seasonal foods and all those kind of things. Okay. Now, so are all of your products in, in stores or just the salsa? No, the salsa, none of the products are in the stores right now. I'm getting ready oh. to go back. And it's funny you say that Um, I, because of what had happened, I pulled everything and now I'm focusing more on the, um, the spices because I think that's where the majority of the people should be. But I will be going back to the stores to get the salsa back in the store because okay. that becomes your season, your, another seasoning. I use it as another seasoning for things mm -hmm. um, as well. But it's because of the manufacturing of that. And that takes a lot of time for me to manufacture. And I have specific um, requirements for the manufacturing. It has to be the first one. It can't have any um, preservatives or additives in the machines. You know, um, so I found I did find a company, but it's a matter of what they want up front yeah. um, for me to get that to them. So I've held off on that. And right now I manufacture the spices and everything myself because that's easier for me to do with everything else that I'm doing and handling clients. So and now that my mother is moving with me, I'm going to have her filling the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because I was going to head down to Whole Foods and grab the salsa because my my kids and I, uh, we have chips, salsa, and queso all the time. Well, not not all the time, but. But what I, and, and the other thing is, is um, for me to ship a fresh product like that, it's very expensive oh. uh, because of the weight. So that's the other thing. I do have a couple of people that will order other things from me um, because, you know, under my licenses currently, I have to do bottling and stuff somewhere else and all these other things. So I'm not doing that. But but people who hire me as a chef or as any of those things, I can make it for them because now I'm making it in your house or I'm going here. So there's different things that I can do relative to the, the wet products. Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm doing it as a chef for somebody, I can make those things because I'm making it, you know, and, and that's immediate consumption. But the only thing that I'm doing at a, on a wholesale and a retail is actually, um, um, just the spices. And I just did a presentation to um, a company that I'm waiting for to hear what they have to say. And that's Williams Sonoma. So I'm waiting to hear from them and seeing if they're 
wanting to bring me in or let me do a pop up. So nice. Love so, it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So th this was this was a great talk as I knew it was gonna be. You know, love love the journey. You know, it's and this is and this is why I started doing this because when I first started this show, I did the, the typical send me talking points and we'll we'll go over your talking points and but it's like you don't get the you don't get the full story. You know, so, so that that's why I like doing it completely unscripted and live. So that way, live, it's like you know you can't you can't prepare yourself or I can't edit stuff out. You know, like it, it's no. just live. You know, but just going through that journey and just there's two words that you said that stuck out out of everything in this last hour. You said bound and determined. You know, so no matter what life threw at you, you got to the other side of it. You no, know, because those are those are two two things that you can't teach people. No, you know you, you just can't. can't. You just you just have to just you know. And and what I try to tell people now, it's a decision, and I can't always. When people say, "Well, why did you do it?" Well, it's just an in me to do it. You know, um, my dad would always say, "When you tell her no, that's like a bull in a china shop." <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like the word no. What do you mean no? Um, you know, and he always taught me, he said, no means not that way. Yes. Said, if there's exactly. something you really want to do. You just have to be determined and just decide that that's what you want to do. It's a decision. Do you want to do it or don't you want to do it? That There's not a gray area. Well, maybe yes and maybe no. No. Do you want to do it or do you not want to do it? And if exactly. you want to do it, then go for it. And so that's the way I look at things. So when people ask me, well, how did you do that? I asked, how did you get that done? I just did it. You know, and it's hard to explain <laughs> to someone that I really mean just that, you know, you know, to someone who doesn't have that innateness in them. It's difficult to explain when I say I just did it. You know, it, it's it, it was my decision. It wasn't someone else and it wasn't someone else's idea. That's what people will say. Well, who is your competition? Me. I don't look at what another company is doing. I don't look at the designs on their labels. I go to my graphic designer that, where they know kind of like how I think, which is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at the, my labels on my products, my labels re reflect that, you know, they don't look like your typical, you know, sterile labels, you yeah. know. And even when I went recently to Williams-Sonoma, one of my friends said, oh, you're going to go to them. And don't you think you need to change your labels? I was like, maybe, maybe not. I said, I don't know. And when I took it to them, they were like, oh, my gosh, this is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Please, so, go ahead. So, so, you know, you just you can't listen to what somebody else is saying. That's that's my message there. Because that's a person who's looking at, oh, it's got to be just so, so, you know, um, she lives in Orange County. You know, she's one of my friends. And, it, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Oh, it's got to be cute with the little bows. And mm. no, um, this is it. It has a salmon fish on there. Salmon. If you can't read it, it says salmon. There's the little picture. The, mm -hmm. You know, the one that says fish, you got a whole bunch of fish on there. So now, you know, this one means more than one fish. <laughs> Not just that. <laughs> See, and and that's you, right? That's yeah. you. And I've only known you for the last hour, right? And but but I can see that's your personality, just like me with the tank tops. I had a business coach tell telling me, you know, if you want to be taken serious as a speaker, it's like you got to show up more professional. I was like, I own a gym, dude. 
<laughs> you know, it's like this this is what I do when I'm out in public this is what I wear this is me like I'm not re- I'm not managing restaurants anymore I don't have to wear a three-piece suit I don't have to wear a shirt shirt and a tie you know it's like this is me and I haven't had not one podcast that I've been on like right. other other where someone was like you know I wish you dressed up more yeah. <laughs> you know because like the stuff that comes out of my mouth will have people looking past the tank top Exactly. And, and, and what you said, that's, that's exactly what I had to do. It's, and it's like, if for me to be in a particular situation, I need to make a change, then let's talk about that change. And does that change change me? Or is it going to be something different? For example, and I can give you my salsa. When I first went to my manufacturer, even though he's, he's a friend now, they wanted me to put preservatives in it. My ex who stole the money said, well, you could make more money if you put preservatives in it and you do this. And I was like, no, I'm not. And this, like I said, this is in the, this was in the year 2002. So that goes to show you how long ago that was. And I said, no, I wouldn't, I will not because I know what it does to you. And that's before the big hype in it, but that's because of how I was raised and what I was taught. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. So I'm not going to do it. Yes. And I had to to sign a document saying I'll be fully responsible. That's how confident I was and still am in my own products. And that's the thing. I Every product that I put out there, it's a product that my family uses. I don't put yes. anything out there that they're not using themselves. I don't do it, you know, and I'm very conscious of that because I also have uh, grandchildren who have allergies. So even when I'm doing things, I make sure that there's no cross contamination. This is sterilized. That's sterilized. You know, I do all these things because I'm also giving it to my family. You know, so for me, that's my standard. And people who have followed me all these years from when I did the Food Network and all those things, the reason they will get my products now or will call me up they've even moved, some have moved to other states and they'll call me or they'll send me a text message on Facebook. When are your products coming back out? When is the salsa going to be back in the store? Mm. You know, because they know that that's my standard, yes. you know, and, and I won't, I won't change what my standard is. So if a person says, okay, we can do this, but you have to make this change. I have to look at, is that change going to change me or is it going to compromise my standard? If it's going to compromise my standard, then I am not going to do it. I just won't. I, I won't do it. I'll just say, and I've walked away, and, and this is true. I've walked away from a multi-million dollar deal because I refused to lower my standards. I could have had all the money, and I said no. I said you can't buy me. You can't buy my standard. Yep. I won't do it. Exactly. When I first opened my my, my gym, I I did have two business partners, and then same thing. I mean, they didn't steal from me, but you know. There was an there was an eighteen month legal battle, put it that way. Right. And right. so it but part part of it was they kept wanting to do things just to boost revenue. And I was right. like, what we're doing like we were profitable from the second we opened the doors, you know, because I had a large following before we built that facility. Right. So and it, it was organically growing. It's like just just let things progress the way they're progressing. Like, oh, we should put in yoga classes and um, you know, Pilates. Is, you know, what if we put in one of those ballet bars and do bar classes? I'm like, dude, that's not what I do. <laughs> you know, like that's not what I do. It's like you know, we we went from nothing to almost 300k in a span of a little over a year. You right. Know? It's like you know, a lot of gyms don't see growth like that. 
and it's like just just let it go we weren't marketing at all because where, where i was i was in a pretty affluent area and it was only i was the only gym at the time that was doing my style of training so so it's like th there's no reason to start adding other stuff you know it's like like let's just keep doing what but they were just so focused focused on money and i was like i'm focused on giving these people the best possible experience in in house like if we start throwing in stuff that i'm not passionate about it's gonna change you know like i don't have a passion for yoga i i just don't you know nothing against it but like that doesn't get me get me fi fired up to get out of bed in the morning like i used to teach kickboxing just because it was popular at the time right. but but when i ended up having to close that that location I sold all the kickboxing bags because like I don't have a martial arts background. Yeah, I was good at it. It was it was popular, but it wasn't from the soul. So right. like so I, I let that whole wing go. <laughs> you know, so I totally, I totally un understand that. It's like for me, when people think of me, they're gonna think of me for XYZ, you know, not just because of what you think my narrative should be. It's like I'm in charge of what people think of me. Right. <laughs> and, and like you say, you're writing the story. And when it's when it's all said and done, it's your legacy. You know, yeah. it's, it's not somebody else's legacy. And, and that's why certain things when I'm making a decision to do something, you know, my mother is the one who told me that she said, don't tell anybody. She said, what you do is you just sit down and you just script it out and you decide what you make the decision of what you want to do. And my mother is a good example of that. It, it drives us children crazy. Yeah. Because we won't find out what she's going to do until she goes, okay, I'm ready. Like right now, she decided two months ago, okay, I've decided I'm coming back to California. Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there's no debate there. You know, uh, like my grandkids, they tell their parents, um, when grandma says stuff, you know, all you have to do is you have to listen because we have to listen to you. So my kids <laughs> get a kick out of it that when my mom comes, it's like, okay, mom. She's in town now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So give us a final word here. A final word would yeah. be is, mm, let me see. Make sure you take care of your health, but reduce stress. That's the biggest thing because that's the biggest killer is stress. And whatever it is, that too shall pass. That's for sure. Whatever it is. It's going to, it's going to change. It's going to move. It's so something's going to happen. So for me, it's reducing the stress, listen to music, not all the, the heavy music, but listen to more like classical music, easy listening, something that's more calming, um, create an area that has a little bit more feng shui, like water going, even if it's a small little countertop with water flowing, that water has a, a thing on your brain where it actually calms you down doing things that keeps you calm um, is good. And then keep yourself hydrated, especially now with the summer months here, you may not think that you need to be hydrated. And a trick is, is once you get a headache, if you have a headache, that means you are dehydrated. That's a, that's a key to know that you are dehydrated. Not like, Oh, I think I'm, I'm getting a headache. No, that means you need to be drinking some water. Yes. That's the first sign. So you are already you are already dehydrated at that point. So those are little tidbits that I can share with you. And, you know, people can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Messenger is really good. That's attached to my phone. I do respond to Messenger. 
um, you know, pretty quickly. Um, you know, you, you know, my 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 personal phone and my business phone are two different phones, and I don't always have my business phone with me. But if you hit me up on Messenger, I do respond to that very quickly. And what's your handle? Um, it's under Charmaine Vega under um, on Facebook. With the at Charmaine Vega. Yeah. All righty. Awesome. Thank you very much. Had a this was a very very good talk. You know, like I said, as I knew it would be. And I feel I, I feel like we should do a part two one day. So if you want to uh, rebook, re come you know come back on, and we'll we'll dive more into the the ways that people can heal their their immune system. Okay, we can do that. We can okay. do that. I'll, I'll hit you up, and then you can tell me what's on your schedule and when you want to book me in. Okay. All right. Yeah, because like I, I've had two 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 people on now for for a second time because. You know, we spend the first half getting to know you, and then so now that the people that listen face faithfully, they'll know you, right? And then, then when we come back the next time, we can just do like a ten minute recap, and then spend the rest of the time diving in, into the topic. Well, a lot of times that's important because you you listen to a person and you don't know whether or not what they're telling you. You know, who are you to tell me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, because like people want to know that you understand their struggle, not right. just like. I have a multi-million dollar company and I drive a Mercedes and I do this and I do that. Like people don't resonate with that. No. And they, they don't know how the person got there, you know, and, yes. and, and, and where they came from to get there or the, the things that actually went on and the things that they still may be dealing with, you know, cause yes. you know, when you go through this type of thing, it's not like it's, you know, it, it's a part of who you are now, you know, it's you, you can't, you can't unknow what you know. I have a friend who says that all the time. He says, you can't unknow what you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it's that type of thing is you, you just know how to deal with it. And, and my way of dealing with it is helping others. So as long as I know I'm helping others with what I'm talking about, and it is helping somebody, even if it's that one person, you just never know. And I get people all the time saying, do you remember when you said this? And I'll tell them, no, I don't. Because like, like here, if somebody were to ask me, what all did you say on the show? I'll say, I don't know, because I was giving the information. Once I've given the information, I've given the information. I don't sit here and have a script. There's nothing here that will show that I have a script. I didn't know ahead of time what you were going to ask me. Or how are you going to ask it? <laughs> um, you know, and I prefer to do it that way because then, you know, I'm genuine in what I'm saying. And it's not like you can't go and research it or find out if you Google Mama Vega or you Google Charmaine Vega, you're going to find out I've got information all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I do that to let people know that what I'm saying is what it is. And do I change my position on things as I get more information? Yes, I may. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like I start each show with a, with a blank page. <laughs> and, and then like, this is from all, all the other shows I have. And then I just, I write like, as you talk, I write stuff down. Yeah. Um, things things that, that I want to expand on, you know, it just makes the conversation genuine. You know, yeah. and people, people connect with genuine. So and I I love that. go ahead. Thank you. I like that. My pleasure. All right. So we're going to end, end here. Don't, don't sign off though. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. And thank yeah. you for, yes, for watching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And you have a great day. You too. All right, so she just mentioned there about stress. So I want to give you a quick a quick exercise to do. So you can take two dumbbells, two rocks, two bricks, two plates, two anything, and just hold them out to the side. Hold them out to the side. And then the longer you hold them, 
your shoulders and your arms are going to start to burn, right? So the longer you hold it, that's what stress does to your body. The longer you hold on to things, the more damage it does. So as you're holding these things, you're going to get to a point to where you have to drop it. And so, again, as you're dealing with stress, you're going to reach what people call a boiling point. And you don't want to reach that boiling point because for some people it ends badly. It can end tragically. It can land you in jail. It can destroy your relationship. So with, when you drop them, it's still going to burn. And you might even be sore for a few days. But over time, it goes away. And as Charmaine just said, you never forget, right? You never forget, but you've released it. You, you'd allowed it to go, all right? And that's the importance of letting go of stress. So no matter what it is, it doesn't have to consume you if, unless you let it, all right? So that's all I have for you for today on episode number 91. Then I'll be back on Friday with Jude. And we're going to have another great conversation with another great woman. You guys have yourselves a great day. Bye. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.